What's your favorite way to learn? I like graphic novels because I can see who's talking. My grandma reads the newspaper to me. I like movies on TV. I play learning games on my dad's tablet. I like reading plain old regular books with lots of detail. This is Worlds Awaiting, helping children read, write, see, speak, think, and listen. Here's our host, Rachel Wada. If there is one holiday that is fundamentally connected to stories, it would seem that it would be Christmas. Beginning with the story of a little baby born in a stable with only his mother, father, and the animals watching, to the story of the beautiful miracle of only a single container of oil lighting the menorah for eight days, the stories of this season are particularly full of wonder. These beautifully sacred stories are also accompanied by those stories that stem from the joyful imagination— The wonderful thing, however, is that even these imaginary stories carry the types of wonder and goodwill that the stories from which this season is most notably celebrated want to embrace. Look at the Dr. Seuss classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That hard-hearted Grinch learns that the real gift of Christmas is love, something I think that the baby from the stable wants us to learn, too. Another classic, The Polar Express by Chris Van Allsburg, shows us that at the heart of miracles is the ability to believe, something that the eight days of light also convey. That really, for me, is the kind of power story embraces, the ability to see belief and virtue in new ways. And especially during this season, this type of renewal and hope is the thing we all want to embrace. It seems, then, that hope is one of the things that is fundamentally a part of the stories told at this time of year. Look at Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Here there was hope that Scrooge could change, or the three ghosts would never have visited him in the first place. Clement Moore's classic poem, The Night Before Christmas, of which my favorite version is the one illustrated by Jan Brett, captures the wonder and belief of hope in things that we may not be able to see, but we can still believe in. But it also seems for me that one of the greatest hopes for stories of Christmas is that a beautiful story well told and shared is one of those things that can bring us together to share the joys of the season. So no matter if your story is the playful All of the Other Reindeer by J. Otto Siebold, or the tender tale of the friendly beast based on the old English carol by Tommy De Paola, it's our wish here at Rachel's World that this season your lives will be filled with the joy, hope, and love contained in all the wonderful stories of the season. At this special time of year, we at Worlds Awaiting wish to celebrate the joy of the season with you in the form of poetry, stories, music, and more. Our love of children and sharing literacy with them emerges especially at this time of renewal as we look back to old traditions and forge new ones. Our program begins with Bruce Seeley, a music host at our sister station, Classical 89, who shares a poem entitled The Waits by M. Nightingale. Then, Stephen Cat Perry, also of Classical 89, reads the poem In the Bleak Midwinter by Christine Rossetti, accompanied by the music of Gustav Holst. The Waits by M. Nightingale There were sparkles on the windowpane and sparkles in the sky. The moon, it sparkled like a star above the world so high. 
There was starshine on the ceiling. There was starshine on the bed. There was starshine in my eyes, I think, and starshine in my head. I clamored from my sleep, I did. I flung the window wide. I wanted all that waited in the Christmas Eve outside. I wanted for myself to hear the Christmas people sing. I wanted for myself to hear the Christmas joy bells ring. And there, outside, were waiting three gray shepherds in the snow. I knew that they were shepherds, for they all had crooks, you know. And when they saw me waiting too, they sang to me a song. The stars they caught and whispered it the whole wide sky along. And then the shepherds went their way, and three black camels came. They stayed beneath the window there and waited just the same. And each black camel on his back had brought an eastern king. And though each king was very great, each had a song to sing. They sang it as the shepherds sang, a little low, sweet song. The white stars caught and whispered it the whole wide sky along. And then the camels went their way. I watched them down the street. The snow lay white and soft and still beneath their silent feet. There was singing in the treetops. There was singing in the sky. The moon was singing to the clouds above the world so high. And all the stars were singing too. And when I looked below, I saw a little tiny child was waiting in the snow. And first I watched him wait there, watched and only waved my hand. For though the song was in my heart, I did not understand, until at last it burst in words, because at last I knew. And then he looked at me, and laughed, and sang the star song too. And right across the misty fields I heard the church bells ring. The star song echoed far and wide for all the world to sing. But still the tiny child stood there, the child that once was born. We sang his birthday song, we did, upon his Christmas morn. In the Bleak Midwinter by Christina Rossetti In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen. Snow on snow, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter long ago. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Angels and archangels may have gathered there, cherubim and seraphim thronged the air. But only his mother, in her maiden bliss, worshipped the beloved with a kiss. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. Just
two beautiful poems, The Waits and In the Bleak Midwinter, followed by Wexford Carol, a traditional Irish Christmas carol, performed by the Salt Lake Children's Choir, conducted by Ralph B. Woodward. Next, Sam Payne, storyteller, musician, and host of The Appleseed on BYU Radio, shares a true Christmas story about a friend of his who had a set of unique experiences while driving home from an office Christmas party. Christmas seems to be a season wherein the universe knows just who to draw serendipitously together and just how to do it. Sometimes those drawn together touch for just moments, but in those moments are made to be the instruments by which heaven uses one person to bless another person, whether the instrument means to do it or not. And that's the kind of story this is. It's a story my friend Mike Anderson shared with me. Mike is an orthopedic surgeon who is at this moment, the moment I'm writing this, climbing Everest. It's a story Mike shared with me as he was setting my seven-year-old's broken arm one December. The boy had fallen from some tantalizing old ruin of busted-up equipment. We had rushed him to a sleepy December Saturday Instacare, and then, because this looked like a bad one, to the hospital, where the folks at the desk had to call someone in. They called in Dr. Mike, and he set the boy's arm and told me a story while he did it. And while I'll admit to having a hard time concentrating at the time on the story, watching as I was my brave little son as he watched his arm being wrenched into shapes not meant for arms. The story has somehow stayed, coming back to me each Christmas season now for more than a decade. Dr. Mike had, it seemed, some days earlier attended his office Christmas party out in Springdale, Utah, a groovy little national park town about 45 miles from his home in St. George. It meant that at some very late hour he found himself along that stretch of Utah Highway 9 where the speed limit dips from 65 miles an hour to 45 miles an hour, just long enough to get you through the tiny town of Virgin, which is named for the river, which is named for an obscure explorer named Thomas Virgin, and not for the mother of Jesus. I'm a pretty conscientious driver, but I've forgotten to heed that dip in the speed limit through Virgin a time or two, and maybe you have as well. Mike, who is also probably a pretty conscientious driver, forgot on that late evening and was briskly shepherded to the roadside by a watchful officer. Some long minutes later, Mike was back on the road, carrying a souvenir with him of his experience with the officer, and you know the kind of souvenir I mean souvenir that was to be attended to by mail or at the courthouse, not fewer than five days and not more than 14 days hence. Anyway, the scene left Mike with a decidedly less merry evening than he'd been treated to thus far at his office party. But on he went, down Highway 9. And some distance down the road, he passed a motorist, a woman, standing next to her car which was pulled onto the shoulder. It didn't look like an emergency. His own experience that evening had delayed him, and Mike drove on, thinking that surely his new acquaintance, the police officer, would pass any second and help the stranded motorist. He looked in his rearview mirror for a long time, 
hoping to see someone veer off to the side of the road near the stranded car, but no one behind him seemed to be stopping. Mike sighed and swung his own car back around. When he stopped, the woman asked if he could help change a tire, and he went to work. As he worked, they talked. In their conversation, Mike learned the woman's husband had died, and not years ago or weeks ago, but hours ago. And in Mike's helpfulness changing the tire, the woman had found some kind of hope on what must have been altogether the wrong night to flatten a tire. Before the job was done, who should pull over to the roadside next to him but the police officer, there to check up not only on a motorist in need, but on a local motorist from his town that he knew to have suffered a recent tragedy, a motorist that might need some checking up on. He had, in fact, been looking for her when he had caught Mike speeding, hoping that she was safe and sound herself. And so, imagine the officer's surprise to find Mike bent down and changing the woman's tire. And imagine Mike's surprise when the officer asked for Mike's speeding ticket, the aforementioned souvenir of their last encounter together, and then ripped it up. He said, after I pulled you over back there, you probably weren't in the mood to stop and help anyone. But you did it anyway. Well, on that cold night, a stranded and bereaved motorist received some comfort and a changed tire. An officer found the person he'd been looking for, safe and sound. Mike went home, having mercifully avoided a speeding ticket. Three people drawn into a roadside encounter in which each had a gift for the other. And Mike Anderson shared that story with me while he was setting my seven-year-old's broken arm on a December Saturday, when he had just dropped by his house in the middle of a long bike ride and planned to go right out the door again, had not his few minutes at home been punctuated by a phone call from the hospital. The doctor they had reached on that Saturday, in the only moment they could reach him, happened to be the only orthopedic surgeon I knew, the one orthopedic surgeon that my little boy knew, the one he might sit still for, be brave for. And the events of these December stories would seem to be remarkable coincidences if they didn't happen so often at Christmas time. After all, Christmas seems to be a season wherein the universe knows just who to draw serendipitously together and just how to do it. A season wherein those drawn together touch sometimes for just moments. But in those moments are made to be the instruments by which heaven uses one person to bless another person. Whether the instrument ever means to do it or not.
storyteller and musician Sam Payne sharing a true Christmas story, followed by the Salt Lake Children's Choir performing What Child Is This? Next, Rachel Wadham, host of Worlds Awaiting, visits with Joella Peterson, children's librarian at the Provo Library in Utah, about some of her favorite Christmas books. We're in studio with Joella today. Welcome. Thank you. Well, let's have a little chat, you and I, about okay. some of your favorite Christmas books and, and maybe even some, some great books for giving. I think that that's an important issue that we need to, we need to address. So let's, let's start out. What's, what's one of your favorite Christmas books? Well, my, I have so many, and um, I actually just read a whole bunch of new Christmas books oh, that excellent. just came out. Very and good. Those sometimes tend to be the favorites just because they're brand new, and so I thought I'd tell you about some of them. There's one called "The Day Santa Stopped Believing in Harold" um, by, by Maureen Fergus, and this is it's kind of a, a hilarious little Christmas book. So basically, what it is is. Um, Santa Claus is with Mrs. Claus up at the North Pole, and he decides that Harold, this little boy, is not real. And he couldn't be real because he's Santa is absolutely sure that his mom writes the Christmas list, and his dad puts out the milk and cookies, and he doesn't ever see him. And so how it, how could he possibly be real? But the, the funny juxtaposition is that... Um, Far, far away in a little house, there's Harold, this boy, who has stopped believing in Santa Claus because he never sees him. He's sure he's not real. And and it's this f- funny little snippet of um, Santa hiding behind a piece of furniture to see if Harold really is real on Christmas morning and Harold hiding behind a different piece of furniture thinking, well, maybe Santa I can see once and for all. And, and of course, there's a lot of hilarity that ensues afterwards. So that's kind of one of my new favorite ones just because it's, it's almost like a comedic gold, you know, just Christmas and, and perfect as in there are so many kids that that think oh, Santa Claus really real, and you never think about Santa not ever seeing these children necessarily, and so it's kind of a fun story. So that's one of my new favorites. I love particularly books like that that kind of push our understanding of mm-hmm. these kinds of legends and and the things that we believe in, mm-hmm. and they take us to a different level. And so exactly. it's fun and humorous, but at the same time, it helps us think about our traditions and what we do in a unique, fun way. Uh-huh. And, exactly. it's, and it's always fun to laugh at Christmas. And so anything that's humorous. Exactly. And, and the things that, I mean, there are so many parents that will just laugh as they as they read these books to children. I think my favorite types of books that I usually do in story times or I give away to people or I force my family members to read along with me are the ones that they're not only funny for children that get read to, but the adults that are reading them to children actually enjoy them as well. Yeah. So that's this, – this is my favorite um, type of one that – that's brand new. That so. book seems like it does have those kind of multiple levels that a uh-huh. child will understand it on a, a level different than the way an adult will understand exactly. it. Exactly. So that that's very fun. Um, so another one that I read this last time, this last week or so, is called uh, Stowaway in a Sleigh by C. Roger Matter. And this one, again, has that funny, really could that happen that, that children don't know about. So 
basically there's this cat that um, wakes up because she hears a noise one night and is like, what in the world is this noise? And she goes down to the living room and she sees what she calls Mr. Furry Boots, which is, of course, a jolly fat man with a white beard and a red suit and black boots with white fur on the top. And she um, is like any other cat and gets very curious. And there's this bag that's lying on the ground that's empty. And she thinks, huh, I should climb in this bag and see what's here. So she gets in the bag. And of course, Santa takes the bag with him as he leaves. And so it's this story of this this cat and her visit to the North Pole just because she was too curious to actually stay in the house. So... I've read that book, too, and it's one of my new Christmas favorites. And I love it because it's a cat's eye point of view, right? Uh-huh. The illustrations are so lovely because, you know, it's Mr. Furry Boots because all that's all she can see. That's exactly. the level that she can see. And it, it doesn't – it's almost like those Charlie Brown um, – uh, cartoons where you can't see the heads of the adults necessarily. You just see that that level of where the 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 little cat is. So, yeah. and then there's also there's a wonderful scene in near the end of the book when Santa does find her and realizes that you know she needs to go home, and that just that mm-hmm. caring relationship and that that caring love that Santa Claus would have not only for humans but also for animals. Exactly. Just exactly. adds a lovely touch. I like that one. Yeah. yeah. So it's Gorgeous a it's book. a new favorite. And the illustrations, they just make me drool almost because they're just so nice. They're, so. They have a very realistic cast to mm-hmm. them, and they're they're stunningly beautiful. Just yes, gorgeous, gorgeous exactly. illustrations. Yes. So yes, two favorite. thumbs up. Four thumbs up. <laughs> both of us, yes. Four thumbs up for that book because we, bo- we both love that one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so my third favorite that's the brand new one is a book called The Lost Gift, A Christmas Story, and it's by Callie George. Have you read that yes, one already? Yes, I have. Oh, I love so that one. So beautiful, yes. Um, so for those that haven't read that particular book, it's um, there's these four animals that are in the forest, and they have um, Santa Claus drops a present out of the sleigh, and the four animals realize it's for New Baby, and they go and and actually take it to New Baby with some grumbling because not all the animals like that. And so it's the idea of Christmas is beyond just the gifts that they get. So I like that little story. Well, and I always love stories that have animals in Christmas. I, I, I'm an animal lover, so I love mm-hmm. all animal stories. But I love this sense of animals have that joy and love of Christmas. So that's one of those things I loved about that book is is this is a season for everyone, right? It's not just mm-hmm. a season for humans. Sometimes it's for animals, too. And that sense of unconditional love and joy that animals bring to the table, too, just comes through exactly. really beautifully in that book. Well, we're running out of time, yes. but let's let's talk about maybe one or two more or maybe okay. maybe one that you think is like the gift book that you give okay, for Christmas. Okay, so my I my all-time 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 favorite Christmas book that I read every year is um The Mr. Wallaby's Christmas Tree. I know it's a classic. Everyone loves that one, but I love how so with that one that you have the Christmas tree and Mr. Wallaby is this, you know, very rich man and they cut off the top of the Christmas tree because it doesn't fit. And then eventually that Christmas tree just becomes a Christmas tree for so many different little families, both people and animals. And I I love the spirit of that that particular book. I love the illustrations. I love how festive the Christmas trees are. I think my favorite part of Christmas is just sitting in front of a Christmas tree with the lights on, the Christmas lights on, and all the rest of the lights in the house off, and just that magical glow that comes from a Christmas tree. So I love 
just the idea of everyone having a Christmas tree and this little extra something goes to everyone. Oh, that's my all-time favorite. I, I think that's one of my all-time <laughs> favorites, too. It's so, and it's so beautifully done and just mm-hmm. and just a wonderful sentiment. And that's, for me, one of the things I love about all these stories is they just really bring that beauty, joy, happiness of Christmas mm-hmm. to life in a really fun way. Some of the times yes. it's more humorous, sometimes it's more serious, but... All together, it just that's what Christmas is. Just exactly. joy. It's and it's it's the spirit of something bigger than what what you have in normal day everyday life. I love that. That's a perfect way to end. Thanks so much, Joella. You're welcome. Joella Peterson, children's librarian at the Provo City Library, talking about some of her favorite Christmas books. We finish our Christmas program with some favorite holiday traditions and books shared by our BYU radio staff. On Christmas Eve, it's probably my favorite. We would always go to my grandma's house, and my grandpa had this string of sleigh bells, and he would go outside and stomp on the roof and shake the bells so that all the little kids knew that Santa was here and we all had to go home. And then I always remember uh, we would read the Polar Express frequently, and there's a few versions out there, but there's one that's like got really cool artistic images on it. And so we would we would read that, and that was always kind of a magical, traditional part of Christmas. Santa Claus and the magic there. Well, one thing that we always did is there's this drive-through nativity that's like right down the street from our house, and so we would always go there and drive through, and it's candlelit, so everyone has their candles in the car, which is kind of different, <laughs> maybe a fire hazard, but it's really fun. You get to see all the live animals, so we always did that. And then I love any Christmas music, so anything that you can find on the radio, on Pandora, Spotify, whatever that's Christmas-related. The classic tradition of, you know, reading from the Bible and then also the, you know, the, the Night of Christmas book and then also, like, opening pajamas on Christmas Eve. It's always a classic. It's it's really interesting that the Christmas we have back home is the same Christmas that we have here. But back home it's summer. But everything else, all of the the movies, all of the commercials, everything, they have snow. That's kind of weird because we don't we don't have that in, in in where I'm from. So although we don't have any snow, but we still see like oh yeah, snow this this is Christmas, you know, but we go to the beach. <laughs> we, don't, we don't stay inside yeah, drinking hot chocolate. Favorite holiday traditions shared by some of our student staff here at BYU Radio. We wish you a most wonderful Christmas and holiday season. Thanks for listening to Worlds Awaiting. Tune in Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. and weekdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143, on the TuneIn app and at byuradio.org.